0: Hey, this is Ken Fennett at Capital Advantage Tutoring. My job is you to pass the SIE. So first of all, thank you for joining. Thank you for following along through the first 10 chapters. Now we're on to chapter 11, offerings. But before I get to that, a word from this sponsor. Okay, now let's talk about offerings with all my stupid, and try to do my announcer voice. Capital formation. So let's talk about that for a second. So when you need to raise money, like say I want to grow my tutoring company, all you investment bankers out there, hint, 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 I want to go public. So if you want to raise some money to do more things, say, I want to bring an office, get better lights, maybe create a studio or maybe go national and try to build up this program. Just follow the Ken method. Okay. Um, If you want to do that, I need money. So I need, I, I can borrow from people. That's not the way we're going to do it. Yes, I could, but nobody's going to lend me money. If you knew me, you would never lend me money. Selling my securities, different story. Now, if I want to raise money, what I'm going to do is I'm probably going to sell a piece of my business or maybe sell debt or something like that. So there's a couple of different types. So there's public offerings. We're actually selling it to the public. OK, we're using an underwriter. We're selling it. We're registering it with the um, with the SEC and the states and all that. And we're selling it to the public. The problem with going public that way is going public, you're subject to SEC regulation and you have shareholders to deal with and mom and pops. You have accounting and legal, right? You know, was it right? not Reg I I can't even, Sarbanes Oxy, stuff like that. And the Act of 33, a lot of disclosure. So while it's good and you can raise a shitload of money, it's, it's not the most popular way. The actual most popular way is, is sort of a private placement where you're actually just selling to like institutional investors, pension plans, insurance companies, venture capitalists, PEs. Those guys, guys and girls, are buying, or the firms are buying from you, but they're not retail. So we're not actually registering with um, the SEC, but they do put rules on that. Like maybe there's, you can only sell it in one state, or you can only sell to a certain type of investor, or you can only raise a certain amount of money. All these different types of ways that are considered not going public. So that would be their private placement. So again, public is the companies you've heard of. They're trading on an exchange or even on, a, they're they're raising money and it's being, the public is buying it. Private placement is me selling to private investors, either rich people or institutions, and I'm not really selling to the public, so I have a lot less regulations to follow, but there are other rules. So when we first go public, let's say we first raise money, that's called an IPO. The initial public offering is an IPO. That's the first time. It's what we call the primary market. The primary market is when the company is receiving the money from people buying their shares. It's an issuer transaction if you're taking the 63 after this. A follow-on is the second, third, fourth, fifth time. Or an add-on. They call it a follow-on, an add-on, whatever. Some people call it a secondary. That's not 100% accurate. But once you pass the exam, nobody's going to kill you for it. So again, an IPO, first time. Follow-on is every time after that. So I issue, I raise a billion dollars today. Woo! And then two years from now, I need another billion. I, re- I issue more shares. Now, that could dilute people and stuff like that, which to go back to my earlier videos, we have, um, they have a rights offering from when they do follow-ons. So again, a follow-on is still a primary offering. It's when the issuer is getting the money, but it's um, it's not the first time, okay? Every time after that is a follow-on, second, third, fourth, fifth, okay? Basically primary always means the issuer is getting the money. Now, if we have a secondary offering, so a secondary is like, okay, let's do it this one. Microsoft wants to issue a million shares. Bill Gates goes, you know what? I could use some money for my taxes or a new pool I wanna put in. So I'm gonna offer some of my shares too. So when one of the main shareholders, like one of the control people, want to sell sh- their own shares, they can follow the 144 rules and sell it really slowly, which I think we're covering in a later chapter, but if they don't wanna do it that way, they can do it through an offering. So they can actually do an offering where they put it out, their prospectus, all that stuff and sell their shares. That is an option, okay? So if, I, if Microsoft issues shares, that's a primary offering, First, second, third, follow on, whatever you want to call it. But if, like, Bill Gates or someone who works there wants to sell their shares as the offering, that's a secondary. Both require prospectus, both have disclosure rules, all that stuff. Okay. But the secondary means the issuer is not receiving the money that one of the shareholders is. A primary means the issuer is. Okay. So, what they do sometimes is what they call a combined or a split offering. Also, I feel like I'm talking really fast and I can't control that. So if I am just jack me down to like fifty percent or seventy five percent, and then I almost sound normal. Okay, so this is what I happened when I haven't had caffeine in like months. Okay, so split offering or combined offering is when Microsoft and Bill Gates do it together as one thing. Okay, so basically, um, I am going to Microsoft is going to sell their shares, Bill Gates, and they do them together as one offering. But just remember, the underwriter does have to know the different, like the percentage, how many shares are being sold as a primary and how many shares are sold to me, being sold as a secondary. Hope that helps, okay. Now the underwriter, not the undertaker, the underwriter is a broker-dealer that helps a corporation go public or raise money, either corporation or municipality or whatever. They're the broker-dealer. Remember, an underwriter is a type of broker-dealer, okay? An underwriter is a type of broker-dealer that helps a company raise money, okay? Now, there's different types. There's one there's, So there's different types of commitments. Okay. So we, the underwriter now let's talk about that for a second. So the underwriter can be one broker dealer or can be a group. Okay. An underwriting group or a syndicate, the underwriting syndicate. So I want you to just think when you hear the word underwriter or syndicate, kind of the same thing. They can have a managing underwriter, which is going to be the lead one. And then he has a bunch of syndicates, people with them, the other me- members of the syndicate. Okay. <clears throat> The underwriter is a broker dealer that helps corporations and municipalities raise the money. It could either be a group or one person. A lot of times they say the lead underwriter, that means the managing underwriter, or they just say the underwriting group or the underwriting syndicate, which is sort of the same thing. It's just a group of broker dealers who are going to help a firm raise money. Okay. Now there's different types of commitments. God, I just can't say the word type. There's different types of commitments. There's one, called firm commitment where the underwriter is acting as a principal using their own using their own money and basically they're guaranteeing sale of the issue. So if I'm the issuer, you're the underwriter. I want to issue a 1 million shares and you and you do a firm commitment and you only sell 800,000, you are buying the other 200,000 and I still got my money. That's a firm commitment, it's guaranteed to be sold. Sold, sale, sold, whatever. Okay. Now, the other type is a best efforts where you're acting as an agent, okay? So firm commitment, you're acting as a principal. Best efforts, you're acting as agent, you're just gonna do the best you can. So basically, best efforts goes, hey, I'm the issuer again, I want to sell million shares, you're the underwriter, you go, we're gonna do it on a best efforts basis. And what that means is that you're just gonna do the best you can. And if you can't do it, you return the rest. You're acting as an agent, you're not taking any risk on this other than reputation risk. If I tell you to sell a million and you sell 800,000, You just return the 200,000 to me. And I can put a couple of contingencies on that. I can make it what they call an all or none, which means I give you a million to sell. You either sell all of them or you sell none of them. I'm not involved. I don't care about 800,000. I want a million. Faruka sold. I want it now. I want everything. Okay. Mini maxi is, look, I want a million. It's kind of like a middle. I want a million. I want to sell a million shares. But if you get to 600,000, then we're okay. Anything under 600 grand, cancel it, we, come, we take my shares back and we'll try again later. But once you get over the minimum, I'm making numbers up, say it's 600,000, and you only sell 400,000, we cancel the deal. But once you hit 600, I'm willing to accept it and I have to because it's part of the deal. So mini max, it means I have a minimum and then a max of a million, a mini max, if you want to call it. So they're both types of best efforts, all or none where you sell everything or none at all, or mini max where you say, look, I want to sell a million, but as long as you sell a portion of it, like a certain portion that we agree to, we are okay, we are good to go. Okay, a standby underwriting. If you remember from earlier on, we talked about a rights offering. A rights offering is when the company issues new shares, chapter three specifically. Rights offering is when a, I'll put it up here, chapter three, boom, right there. I'm gonna put a little arrow, see if I can pull that off. One of these sides, it should be there. Now, um, when they do a rights offering, and the issue, the issuer issues more shares. It's actually going to dilute the shares of the older, the older shareholders. So they do a they do a rights offering. Wow, what did I just say? Okay, so we have a standby agreement, a standby agreement underwriting, if you want to call it. If you remember from chapter three, when they do a rights offering, I'll put put the chapter here, chapter three. Okay, um, it's basically when a company issues more shares, that's actually going to dilute the current shareholders. But so what they do is they do a rights offering to allow the current shareholders to buy shares, to keep their percentage ownership, they get a discount, not going to go over the whole thing again because they did it in Chapter 3. The standby part is an underwriter who's standing on the sideline like this, just waiting, and for all the rights that don't get exercised, because remember, you can let them expire if you want to, moronic, but you can, if you let them expire then the standby underwriter will buy up all the rights and then sell the shares to the public. Okay. So basically the standby underwriter, if I'm going to sell a million shares, I do a rights offering, I have a standby underwriter, say only say a million shares, say only 800,000 of the rights get exercised. Lehman brothers, I'll use them because we're out of business. Lehman brothers will walk in and buy the 200,000 rights, take the 200,000 rights, buy the shares, and then sell them to the public and make that money. Okay. So this way I am guaranteed to sell my shares. So again, all or none, all of it or none of it. Mini Maxi, sell as much as, he, sell up to the million, but make sure you get at least to a certain number. Standby is for a rights offering. Standby is for a rights offering and it's a firm commitment type where I am, if I'm gonna do, it, do this with a standby agreement, I know as the issuer that my shares are going to be sold. Good, okay. So in the little chart, firm commitment, the syndicate has liability and a standby. The syndicate has a liability. So remember, firm commitment and standby. Standby is a type of firm commitment if you want to think about it. Firm commitment and standby, the syndicate takes the risk on the unsold shares. Best efforts, best efforts all or none, and best efforts mini maxi. The issuer takes the risk because the deal could be canceled. Hope that helps. Okay, so there's a thing called the market out clause. That's like, hey, hey something crazy happened. I went out. So you're the underwriter. on the issuer. We write in there, look, if something crazy happens, blah, blah, blah. Like a great example is 2020. If you're watching it live or right away, it just, it's still going on. But if in two years from now, 2020 was a pandemic, I'm sure you remember, um, the market was shit for a while. So if that happened as an underwriter, you can use that as a reason. um, 9-11, you know, the 2009, you know, all the stuff that happened in 2009, 2008, 2007, you can say maybe that those are market outcloses. It's usually some sort of material event where we can say, listen, either side can back out of the deal. Fair enough. Okay. Now we've done the IPO the first time. We're a big company called a Wixie, a well-known season issuer. We're really freaking big. And what we do is we're allowed to do what we call a shelf offering. Normally when we do an offering, if you remember from the Act of 33, normally when you do an offering, it's when you issue it, you have a 20-day review and then you have one year to sell everything. That's how long it lasts before you have to renew it. Well, a shelf offering is only for additional offerings for bigger companies you actually get up to three years to sell it. So you can say, look, I want to sell my shares. I sell my shares. Oh, but wait, it's not a good time right now. So I'm going to put them on the shelf and wait for a better time, but it's up to three years. Now there's rules. I mean, I can I can do it all in one time. I can take a little bit out and sell it every month. I have up to three years to sell these shares whatever way I want. That's all it is. So it's kind of like, if you want to think the way the book's saying it, you do all the paperwork ahead of time, you get it not approved, but effective. And then you put it on the shelf and wait for a good time to do it. Okay. Now, let's talk about the different groups. So the syndicate, the syndicate manager, the underwriters, they're the people. They create the group. And then they they try to sell the shares. They have risk. They usually have risk or something. And they have the agreement between all the members of the syndicate is called the syndicate letter or the agreement among underwriters. So, again, the agreement between all the members of the syndicate, not the issuer, between the syndicate, the little group, It's called the syndicate letter or the agreement among underwriters. They all sign it, and it all lists all their rights and responsibilities, whether it's Eastern or Western and stuff like that, okay. A selling group. A selling group is kind of a person, a group that has no liability. I always think of the boiler room or um, Wolf of Wall Street where they're just on the phone making phone calls. They are, they have a relationship with the syndicate, but they have no liability. Basically, they don't get the shares until they sell it. So they make phone calls, they go, hey, Joey, you want some shares? They go, yes, come back and say, hey, we need you know 30 shares or hundred shares. And then the syndicate will give them to them. So that's a selling group. The selling group is really just making phone calls. They have no, no, no financial responsibilities. They're just acting as agents, okay? Good. To determine the IPO, the public offering price. Well, you'll never have to do this on the test on any exam. Eh, 79 maybe, but probably not. So what happens here is the IPO price we're gonna look at things. Oh, what's the competitor? What's the com- competition look like? What are, the, what are their PE ratios? All that stuff. We're gonna look at all the th- market conditions, the economy, your competitors, all this, thing. break it down by your book value, all that stuff and come up with some sort of number. Boom, okay? Now, that's the IPO. That's how we do the public offering price on an IPO. We have to come up with what it's worth and then try to sell it, okay? Now, if we do a secondary offering or follow-on, they're basically just going to use the market price that's trading at currently. So if you know I issue stock at 40, it's now at 60 because my company's great. I want to do a follow-on, it's going to be somewhere around 60. It's going to be based on the new market price. If I do an additional offering, that's not for IPOs. IPO, we do all the math and we figure out the payouts and all the dividends and all the economics and the corporate balance sheet and all that. And then we divide it by the number of shares we're going to issue, and that's how we come up with a number anything after that, if I issue shares third, fourth, fifth time, then it's going to be based on the current market price. Okay. Okay. Now the underwriting spread, I've done this already. So I have it. so it's the underwriting spread, whether it's from municipals or corporates, it's signed of the same thing. So I'm going to put the link right here. Hopefully I can do that right. And there you can watch that video. If you want to see the spread much better than the way the book does it. I think so because I'm arrogant and I'm a jerk. Okay. Now, boom, boom, boom. Now, Market making, let's talk about that for a second. So market makers are the people that make the NASDAQ system go around. They are broker dealers that bid and offer all day and they create liquidity and they create a market. Well, one of the rules is that the issuer, like if I go public, which I hope I can do, if I go public, I have a massive following, I have schools and all that stuff. Now I cannot say I'm having trouble getting people to buy and sell my stock. I cannot pay a broker dealer to make a market, okay? I can't say, hey, listen, here's a million dollars or here's a percentage. Please go put a bid and offer in there. I cannot do that. You'll, the market maker cannot do it. I can try, but I'm not really supposed to. Payments for market making. So what happens is I'm an issuer, I'm an issuer, and I'm going public, and I can, maybe it's trading already, and I really can't get a good market. I don't have enough market makers in it. So I could try to pay a market maker to make a market in, in it, to say, put a bid and offer in to make it a market. No, I cannot do that. That is a violation. That's called payment for market making, and it is absolutely... It is absolutely against the rules. Now that doesn't mean I can't you can't reimburse a broker dealer for bona so bona fide means real. So I can reimburse an underwriter and other people for doing things, but I cannot pay someone to make a market.